This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Put us in, coach. We're ready to play. The team today is uh, James, M, and myself, John A. Tate. Good afternoon. And we're all Howdy. sitting on a float, uh, being taken around the oval in front of a huge, adoring crowd. Waving uh, to our fans on the sidelines. Just like Anthony Albanese <laughs> did a few days ago. Elbow's really getting around. Airbus elbow, they call him. Airbus elbow. <laughs> Is that right? I like yeah, it. Fair enough. I like a bit of So that's where I wanted to start, just with the uh, the spectacle of the fourth test. But before we do that... The sporting record would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land from which we, from which we broadcast this program and on which much of our local sport is played. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. We also acknowledge the incredible contribution of First Nations athletes to this country's sporting life. Off you right. Johnny. So the fourth test was a bit of a non-event, wasn't it? A bit boring. I don't know if you watched much of it. Uh, not, not really. Just Kawaja and Green's batting for a bit and then that was it. So this marks the end of men's cricket touring in India, correct? Yes. Uh, there's some one-day games, aren't there? Some one-days, so the tests are over. The tests are done, but some one-days that Pat Cummins will not be participating in because his mother sadly passed away. Yeah, so mm. it was good that he shot off home when he did, I think. Absolutely. Rest in peace. Hope you're okay, Pat. So the only thing of note about that fourth test at Narendra Modi Stadium in Amenabad, Gunjarat, was the spectacle... Before the test started. What was the spectacle? Well, <laughs> uh, they were expecting a big crowd. That stadium uh, has a capacity of 132,000. Oh. It's the biggest stadium in the world. It's a big fella. That's and the huge. media were saying, we could have a world record here for a test day. There was a lot of hype. It was said multiple times. It was, the there was actually a huge amount of hype, yeah. Because the current world record we have at the MCG mm. for the 213 Ashes, there was 91,000 people there. 2013. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. 213. Were you there? Were you one of those 91,000? In 2013, I was... Probably Boxing Day, I'd imagine. No, I've never been in Melbourne on a Boxing Day. It's always Newcastle for me. Centre of the universe. Anyway, we've still got the record because in the end, they only had about 50,000 people there. And I think a lot of them might have been paid because as soon as the... Uh, the Narendra Modi spectacular was over before the game, they all seemed to go. There weren't all that many people left. That's fascinating. That's so interesting. I'm sure they would have known that. Like, they're hyping it up, and yet they know that the ticket sales or whatever just weren't there. Maybe they let them in for free. I don't know. For those who didn't get to see the the, the Modi spectacle, 
Um, if you're familiar with Game of Thrones, picture the, the, the throne that they're all striving for, a huge chair built out of swords from past battles, but replace the swords with cricket bats, and that was basically what Elbo and Modi were riding around on, waving to the crowd, quite a sizable float, not, not a little buggy, but a, a full-on custom-built thing. Wow. And uh, I, I've never seen such such an expression of force at a cricket match. Do you think Elbo was a little embarrassed uh, standing next to Mr. Modi there on the hovercraft? You, you could speculate, yes, but for the purposes of national security, he would never admit that. Because Narendra Modi uh, has a checkered past. He's yes. currently the president of... Is it the president of, uh, of India? Prime Minister, Prime Minister, as they're still in the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, actually, I'm not sure. Don't Before that, that, he was chief minister of the state of Gujarat, uh, which is where this test was played. And he was also president of the Gujarat Cricket Association. And when he became Prime Minister, suddenly they get $100 million to knock down the old stadium and build this new one. What a coincidence. Oh, oh, who wow. would have thought? Um, How interesting. It seems that they've overdone it a bit, but they, <laughs> did, they did get a big crowd for the final of the IPL, which was 101,000. That's, that's handy. So that's what it's all about, That's good. Probably. That's still, um, you know, 29,000 less yeah, in capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so it's pretty new. It was rebuilt in 2020. Um, it's, uh, it's an amazing uh, sporting stadium. It has a swimming pool, badminton, tennis courts, squash courts, table tennis. It's got a theatre. Squash courts. And it's got 11 pitches across the centre of the ground. 11? Did you notice that the pitch they prepared, well, they prepared two, I think they were hedging their bets a bit, were on the outside of the square? Because wow. I think they were saving wow. the best pitches for the IPL, which is coming up soon. That's, that's funny. That's the real money maker, <laughs> I yeah? Yeah. I know. Um, but Modi has, uh, as I said, checkered past. Uh, he and his government were implicated in these terrible riots in 2002 mm. where over 1,000 people died, maybe 2,000. Wow. And most of those were Muslim because mm. there's a bit of a right-wing Hindu thing going on with Modi. Oh. And, uh, yes, there's, there's implications and suspicions. Mm. Interesting. Not good. No. So anyway, I just wanted to raise all that. Actually, the first event at the big stadium was uh, was a big thing for Donald Trump. Just wanted to say that a big rally in India. Oh <laughs> with well, that, interesting. And that, I feel like that provides all the context we need. Yes. Maybe you should have led with that, to be honest. Yeah, well, that's, that was just a PS, you know. But the, the yeah, thing. I feel like it's really solidified what I needed. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Now, other famous people who come from the state of Gujarat were mm. Muhammad Gandhi, uh, Mahatma Gandhi. I mean, sorry, and. Uh, and Guatam Adani is also from that state. The uh, the crook himself. Well, he was just a businessman before his mate Narendra Modi came to power, uh, and his wealth suddenly skyrocketed well, under that administration. Again, I wish what an amazing! My friends would come to power, and then my wealth would suddenly skyrocket. Yes, wouldn't that, that be nice? Is that what you call? Like prime nepo, nepotism? Well, they're all from the same part of India. Ah, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. So do you think think sporting grounds or sporting events are a good place for prime ministers and presidents to show their face, wave to the crowd, 
I mean, in a PR sense, I guess so. Um, you know, Scott Morrison used to try it, and it didn't go down very well. You'd see his face pop up, and you'd hear the crowd the go. Oh. Yeah, I I don't think that people. I think in Australia, people take this really interesting stance when it comes to sport. That like, and I think that's why when athletes are making more of a um, a stand for social justice issues or personal issues or whatever it might be, people get quite uncomfortable about it because I think often people like to have a separation of state and church, sport and politics. And I think people enjoy almost, I think, using it to kind of disassociate from reality Mm. for the 80 minutes or how the four quarters of however long that game's going on. And they don't want a reminder of Mm. what they're trying to not think about for a little bit. So just that is my general thought on more Australian Prime ministers do like to turn up to big events and they do. be seen. They do. I'm not sure that, yeah, I don't even know that in any part of Australian sporting culture people are super stoked on that. But At this one, Elbow was a guest. I guess he had to go along with whatever yeah. was planned. And yeah. they, they recently just signed a security pact, didn't mm. they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's part of that whole shebang, oh, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's interesting because I think if it were the other way round in terms of them coming to visit us, I don't think they would have, Albo wouldn't have taken them to a sports event. I don't think. Or if they did, they'd just sit up in the stands. Yeah, it wouldn't be as a whole. Put them up on the big screen, they smile, they wave, and that's and then it. That's Cut it. that yeah. about a couple Skull of beer. Yeah. Albo's done that. He's done that pretty well in the past. Yeah. Uh, God forbid if a female politician ever did that, though. Oh. 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 The men get away with everything. Speaking of men, oh, men's footy's back. Men's footy is back. Men's footy's back this weekend. How do we feel about that team? Pretty excited. Yeah, look, I'm excited. I actually didn't realise it was tonight, and then I got my little notification on the phone. Hello. I was like, oh, well, my mood has suddenly improved. I've this got, is great. I've got something to look forward to. Yeah, for the rest of I've the next six months. I've chosen a song for later on that theme, and uh, I knew I had a song about footy coming back. But do you think I could find it? I went through my whole footy song catalogue. It's a big one. Went through it again, couldn't find it. Anyway, it was buried on this particular CD, so I did oh, find so it. So you did? Oh, that's, it's a good, good story. It's a and good ending. it's highly appropriate for what we'll be talking about next after the break. Excellent. And uh, I think you'll like it. It's by the guy, one of the guys from um, Hunters and Collectors. Oh. Hunters and Collectors had a good uh, a brass section, and this is the trumpet player from Hunters and oh, Collectors. I love trumpet players sometimes. Yeah, that's As right. a trumpet player myself, yes. sometimes. Yes, a closet trumpet player. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. So we'll jump to a yeah. couple of announcements. How about we play the song straight in after the announcements? Up to you, James. Let's do it. You're in charge. The US and the UK under AUKUS are pushing Australia into another imperialist war. At the same time, whistleblowers who expose war crimes are jailed. Come to the rally and march for peace, truth, not war. 18th of March, beginning at 1pm State Library, marching to Treasury Gardens. Help build a people's movement for peace. No AUKUS Roundtable is a 3CR supporter.
Melbourne Jazz Jammers present the third Newport Jazz Festival. 50 bands, multiple venues and three days of great music from some of Melbourne's finest musicians, the 21st to the 23rd of April. Trad, swing, blues, big band, Latin, bossa, bebop and beyond. Get your tickets at the Newport Bowls Club box office, Market Street, Newport or online at melbournejazzjammers.com.au. Let's get the party started at the friendliest festival in the West, Newport Jazz Festival, a 3CR supporter. Whoa. 
beautiful singing there, John. Ah, oh, the footy's back. Footy's back. I'm so excited. Isn't now, that lovely? On the sporting reporting record, we don't do footy tips. We don't do that because it's pointless. If you're into the footy, you know who's playing this weekend. It's and who fine. cares what John Atey thinks about tonight's game? Who's going to win? It's just a guess, anyway. It who is. Knows? It truly is just a guess. But every sports program do their footy tips. And yeah. I don't care. No, as I don't. As... I don't care what other people tip. Sometimes I like it just for like, oh, can I be validated as being correct or <laughs> not? But I don't care what anyone else puts. I'm happy for experts to analyse the potential game. Mm. Yeah, that's what they're for. Don't give us a tip. Anyway, so that's all I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. But our role is to inform. Mm-hmm. and bring to light things that people may not have heard. Yes. So there are some new rules for this season. Uh, nothing major, but there are some little things. Uh, can I run through through them quickly? Go yes, for it. please. Actually, Em, I'm going to ask you something. Uh, okay. Tell us about the NRL Magic Round. Oh. What's the story there with that? Because yes. we've copied it. Magic. Yeah, we have copied it, yes. So the NRL Magic Round is a round that occurs generally in May of each season, and for the past few years, um, so it began in 2018, I think, 2019, and has been held in Brisbane at Suncorp Stadium. And the idea is that all um, 16 teams, now 17 teams in the NRL with the addition of the Finns. Calm the Finns. Calm the Finns. Let's do Finnies. Um, and they all play their round at um, – the one place over the week, one weekend. And they the one stadium. The one stadium. One patch of grass the whole weekend. Um, and that is, that's the magic round. So they oh. developed it from the Super League in the UK. Oh. And that's began in t- 2007. Super League. Is that rugby too, is it? Yeah. So the Super League in England is their premier rugby league competition. Okay. The Super League. The Super League. The magic round. <laughs> um, and they... Uh, based it in Cardiff. Okay. So they had all of their teams oh, based in Cardiff to promote the game. Cardiff. Hey, can we do our Welsh accents? Oh, goodness. Oh, they're going in Cardiff. Yeah, so they, oh, well. they did it in Cardiff to try and promote the game a well, bit more. Well, we've gone for a pun. We're calling it the Gather Round. Now, oh. as a former marketing man myself, oh, I think yeah, this us. is one of the better things the AFL has ever done. This one pun. Oh. Gather round. I like the pun. Gather round. I yeah, I reckon. It I reckon works it, on so many levels. It just hits. It just hits the Gather nail. round. I love it. Yeah, no, you're right. Ga- so we're gathering gather in Adelaide gather. to play all the matches in one round. I think it's round five or something. It's it's soon, mm. uh, but not at one ground though. They're using three different grounds, which makes a bit more sense. I think that does make and a bit more sense. It's probably safer because worn out turf often leads to more knee injuries, mm. yes. ACLs, mm. and the like. Yes. So they're playing at Adelaide. Uh, I think there's a bit of a double header at the Adelaide. Oval, but they're also using Norwood Oval and Mount Barker, which I think is up in the hills. Mm, so that's yes. a major change. That's good. I think that's that's good. That's and Virgin initiative. are adding extra flights to Adelaide. Oh, Adelaide will never have seen so many people before. Good on you, Virgin. I'm still uh, on a very first episode of the Sporting Record. I did bring up my own idea. Oh, yes. Yes. We should have a jazz round. Oh. oh. Where everyone's themes are played in jazz. The AFI hasn't done that oh. one this year, so it just. Uh, I'm glad you reminded me about oh that because that's a good. Goodness. That's a good one. The jazz round. I love that. The jazz round. I wanted. I would love also to hear remixes of like the jazz versions of yeah, that. Yeah. Would be. Well, have someone? Has I've someone done all. it? I've got them all. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> well, yeah. the fable ones are jazz, but it's been popularized a bit. But the I've got versions earlier than that. 
which are real jazz. Anyway, let's move on. So uh, that's the gather round, which is a new thing. Uh, the, the rules, there's the sub, a change to the sub rule. Mm-hmm. So the sub is no longer going to be a injury substitute. You can right. put your sub on for any reason whatsoever, which is the way it was originally, and the players all complained. Well, is that because people were being debuted as medical subs and then not playing? Was that because that happened a bit last year and people like that's unfair. These, you know, young young players get their families down. They get the jersey presentation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they debut as a medical sub and then don't actually play. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it's more fair because more people get a go. You know. Yeah. Well, I would be a bit sad about that. Like, imagine everyone coming down and mm. having a big day and then you don't yeah. even step on the field. That'd that's be fair. a bit sad. So, what sort of a player do you think you a team should make their sub? Should it be a um, Oh, that's uh, hard. <laughs> a Swiss Army knife kind of player, a utility who can do anything. Uh, I'd say a midfielder. I'd or, say a midfielder as well. Cause engine room. Yeah, you'd probably, towards the end of a game, that's what uh, you'd be after. You need a bit of... Fresh legs around the ball. Yeah. Okay. More yeah. pressure, we'll pressure as well. Yeah. What about someone like Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, who's Dipper. probably not fit enough for the full game, but can come on with impact? Just, just leave Tipper on all the time. That's, that's my oh, okay. answer. Tipper. <laughs> Anyhow, so that's the sub rule. That's a, that's a new thing. Uh, four interchange players and a sub. Used yep. to be three interchange and a sub. Oh, but, goodness. So we've actually got one more player. I'm just tired thinking And they one. don't have to wear a vest. They just sit on the back row and just sit there and wait. Jacket on. Dressing that's gown. On. Oh, I think it's a tracksuit, but it's not the green vest, which was a bit of a it, stigma, wasn't it? It should be a dressing gown like the good old days. <laughs> yes, I love those dressing gowns. It should gowns. be a dressing gown so like comfy. the 70s. Right, two quick rule changes. Uh, for set shots... Players are only going to get uh, one warning at 25 seconds. Yep. The umpires have got enough to do without giving a 15-second warning. Yep. Fair so enough. that's nothing. That's good. Um, oh, there's four umpires. That's a big change. Yes. Four umpires. You can't get away with nothing now. No. So they'll prob- there could be an increase in, in freeze, freeze at the yeah. beginning. Downfield. Until players realise there's someone watching me. <laughs> I really can't be holding this guy anymore. Do you think that's a good... Good change. Yeah, it is. Because it will change player behaviour. They'll stop doing the stuff. Yeah. And forwards get a better chance of taking a mark. Yeah, and okay. a, a lot of dirty stuff happens to behind behind the play because they aren't watching. Yeah. You know, like the uh, the pinching thing that Grant Birchall did on That's Zach right. Merrin a long time ago, pinching and pinching and pinching him. So there's two umpires at stoppages, one looking at one end of the ground and one looking at the other end of the ground. Um, I'm all for that, and it opens up the 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 world for more umpires. And we'll get more female umpires coming through. Bloody oath. Great. Uh, so the only other one is the stand rule. They've just modified a little bit. So if a player fakes a handball and the poor guy on the mark takes a step, that's play that, on. it won't be a 50-metre penalty anymore. The umpire will just reset things. Oh. Right? So you can't get away with that little little trick. Right. And, yep, um, and you've got to make a quick decision. Am I going to stand the mark or am I going to back off five metres? Okay. Because a lot of teams were doing that whole backing off thing, but you've got to make a quick decision. Yeah. That's, oh, that's good. So they're the new rules. That's all very fair enough. Yeah, it seems reasonable. doesn't seem like it's, I don't know, sometimes in past times, I know the NRL has made rule changes that have really not really seemed to base, make the game better. It's just to make a big deal yeah. of it for no reason. Of course, people are going to say, oh, leave the game alone, but... Rule changes are important because it keeps things fair and it keeps things safe. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of safety. Speaking of safety, the other big thing that's really arisen in the last few weeks 
is that the AFL is facing a number of lawsuits, two class actions, for the con- historic concussions that players have suffered in the past. Mm. So just the other day, we've got um, a class action leaded by Premiership star Darren Jarman, Melbourne High Flyer Sean Smith, and the wife of the late Richmond player Shane Tuck. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, Shane. Um, and they're represented by a South Australian law firm. Um, and they, uh, they launched papers in the Victorian Supreme Court. Um, well, they're doing that by close of business tomorrow. We also had another class action uh, lodged by players from AFL clubs between the 1985 years and, and, and now, I suppose, who also suffered concussions, uh, with the lead plaintiff being Max Rook, past Geelong Premiership player. And we also had separate cases of Liam Picken, former Bulldogs player, mm-hmm. one of the hardest noses in the comp, and it's showing. And also AFLW Vice Captain Emma Grant have also launched separate lawsuits. And that's all in the last two weeks. I feel I need a legal consultant to explain these things to me. Well, well, well. We have a, we well, have a closet well, trumpet player, but also a closet lawyer. A closet lawyer. Uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, not an admitted lawyer as yet. No, just a, just a speculative one. Just a speculative one. That's right. Um, no, I find this very interesting just legally from how they're going to approach it and it looks as though they're just going to go from an injury compensation sort of view and saying that the AFL kind of were negligent and failed to keep players safe. Interesting reading sort of like the punters' comments online and stuff because I feel as though people have a perspective of, oh, well, you know, they knew how dangerous the game, like part of contact sport is just you're going to get knocked around. Like Mm. how is it the AFL's responsibility? But again, it's things like these rule changes to keep people safe that are important. It's things like putting money into programs to make sure there's research on the effects on the brain and also making sure that doctors are given the most up-to-date advice on how Mm. to deal with concussions. So Mm. another rule change recently is that players, if they – get a concussion are automatically out for 12 days yep. and the NRL just announced today that following uh, suit from the AFL have announced that players with a concussion are automatically out for 11 days um, no matter what mm. and so you know one of the comments um, in the article was that um, players you know they'd get literally knocked out um in you know quarter two and then they'd be back on in the second half of the game so they fully knocked out in has a concussion and then they play the rest of the game and that's obviously you know that's a way Mm. that that player wasn't protected because Mm. they were expected to just continue the game and i think that's what people don't really think about Mm. in terms of you know their health is at the mercy of team doctors or and the advice of them so yeah and the precedent that's set exactly you know, and it's a competitive environment if you can cut a corner people will yeah and that's one thing we need to control yeah we have not known much about the concussion space and we're still learning so the AFL has in the past committed i think it was 25 million dollars to a 10 year longitudinal study but there's still so much we don't know so for example uh, Sean Smith, one of the lead plaintiffs of the most recent class action lawsuit, um, he suspects he's suffering from chronic traumatic encephalopathy, yes, CTE, CTE, which is the degenerative brain disease linked to repeated blows to the head. Mm. And it was found out that Sean Tuck, who recently passed away, 
um, under tragic circumstances. Um, he was found post-mortem to be having, he had CTE, and it's something you can only find out after death. Yes. So a number of players, Sean Smith, John Platten as well, the Rat Platten, thinks he has it as well. Um, there's also mm. the um, Giants player who passed away a year or two, AFLW. Yes, yes. Um, oh, What was her name? But she, um, yeah, in 2020... Jacinda Barclay, she passed away, and I think um, in looking uh, after, yeah, uh, again after she'd passed, I think they found CTE, and she mm. was only twenty nine, like yeah, very very young, terrific. So as you say, Em, the average punter really doesn't understand the law and the intricacies of all this stuff, and I'm the average punter, so it's something we should probably try to dig into and mm. yeah, get well, some clarity. I've got a. Huge amount of interest in it, both personally as a footy player and in terms of the law. So watch this space. I'll do some research, do some digging, present some mm. findings soon, and try and keep you up to date as the case cases both progress mm. too. And this is something we'll touch yeah. on because yeah. it, it represents a, a fundamental chasm at, at the heart of this. We yeah. love sport, we love playing, we love watching it, but to what extent will we continue to do this? Mm. If the consequences are horrific and lifelong. Well, that's the thing. Like, if it's a big part of Australian culture, but can we ignore it if players are dying because of the sport? Mm. Is that something, you know, it's huge. You if know, people yeah. also have questions that they uh, want to text in at any point and they want to answer them, I will do my best to answer them over the next few weeks as well as I do my little research. So, if people have more questions either on the lawsuits or whatever, let us know. We'll do our best. And on that note, we're out of time. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can uh, subscribe to us. You can listen to the station on 855 AM on your dial. And soon we may have our show podcasted. Podcasts yes. are coming. Spotify. Let's get it. So thank you for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Thank you.